Okay, thank you so much to our worship team, and welcome again to our first RUF of the semester. We're going to be spending time in the book of James this semester, which is actually a really challenging book of the Bible because it just directly teaches us about what we should do. And I don't know about you, but for me, I really need that right now because life is difficult and crazy, and I kind of just want someone to tell me what to do, and James will. And the problem facing his audience was that they were not putting their faith into practice. And the, the most likely author of the book of James is not one of the two Jameses who were among Jesus' 12 disciples. It's probably more likely that it was the brother of Jesus, James, who became a leader in the church in Jerusalem after the death and resurrection of Christ. And one of the reasons we're looking at James this semester is because of what is in the very first section which is teaching about what is going on when Christians face trials. So with that in mind, let's turn our attention to God's word in James 1, 1 through 11. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, I'm really thankful for tonight. Thankful to see so many faces, thankful to be singing to you, you're worthy of it. And I'm thankful for the the book of James and your scriptures, and I pray that you would send your spirit to be at work in it right now, so that we might love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to start with a question. What, What do Christians tell each other when they're suffering? When a friend is going through something hard, something challenging, something painful, what, like, what do we say? Okay, these are the things that I hear Christians say. We say things like, God has a plan, so don't worry. You ever heard someone say that? Or we, or we say things like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Or we say things like, you can't see it now, but this is actually a good thing, right? Uh, a few months ago, I was, a, I was clearing a tree that had fallen in the woods next to my backyard, and I put in a hard day's work, and I went to bed feeling that I was, I was pretty manly, even though I had to have a friend come and use his chainsaw, because I don't own one. But I woke up at 1 in the morning, and my entire body was covered in poison ivy, like arms, torso, legs, totally covered in these angry red breakouts. And by morning, they were starting to, like, leak fluid. Have you ever had bad poison ivy? Like, because they're so inflamed that they would burst, like, all day and all night? Sorry. And I was, like, so overcome with itchiness that I didn't sleep for four nights straight. i just sit on the edge of my couch in the living room, like, shaking desperately, trying not to scratch so they wouldn't burst even more. 
and, and I was taking like these oral steroids and I was applying the topical steroid cream and I got the injection. So I was so wired. I felt like I'd overdosed on espresso. And so during the day, I just lay in the dark in my bedroom under a fan. My kids didn't see me for most of that week. And if you had knocked on my door in the middle of the night as I was shaking and exhausted and told me, Lewis, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. I would have rubbed my poison ivy in your face because I could not handle it. And if you had said, Lewis, God's plans are always good, I would have shouted some of you about why God would plan for me not to sleep for four nights because my poison ivy was leaking on the sheets, okay? How, how do we make sense of the things in our lives that cause us pain and discomfort and loss. And you don't need me to spell out for you all the ways that COVID has, has caused pain and discomfort and loss, right? You, you were there when you missed graduations and proms and fancy dress and spring term trips abroad and summer internships and app adventure on the trail instead of back campus and, and parties and, and everything else. You were there when family members got sick or lost jobs. You were there to experience the ways that conversations about racism and our history in America have, have made old wounds hurt again and have exposed all kinds of, of brokenness and division in our communities. The, there's lots of good and beautiful things in our lives right now, but I think one of the things we can agree on is that we're having a common experience that James calls trials. And, and the trials that his audience were facing are most likely that they were the suffering of people who are poor and are being oppressed by those in power. But the question is the same. The question is, how do we make sense of trials? How do we make sense of difficult times? And I want you to know that there's good news for you tonight. And the good news is that God sees you in your trials. And he cares for you. And he loves you. And he's actually going to use them for our good if we follow after him. So what I want to briefly point out tonight is three things from this passage before we break up into our groups to talk. Okay, What should we do when we meet trials? Okay, And there's three things we should do. One, we should speak the truth. Two, we should ask for what we need. And three, we should reorient ourselves towards Jesus. Speak the truth, ask for what we need, and then reorient ourselves towards Jesus. So first, we should speak the truth. And here's what I mean. When you meet trials, God's word tells you to call them what they are. And what James says in verse 3 is that they are a test of faith. Our temptation is that when we experience trials and difficulties, we usually call them something else, right? Sometimes we tend to, we tend to minimize our trials, uh, that's where we put on a smile and we try to force an optimistic attitude. We basically lie about how we're doing and say that everything is amazing. That there's a lot of that going on on campus right now. Like we're so desperate to, to feel like it's normal and everything is fine, right? Other times we, we detach and we distract ourselves with Netflix or drinking or studying or working out or whatever you do to cope. And other times we, we more wallow in our trials. That's where you're just obsessing over finding someone to blame and judging others for what is going on. And James says, what's happening is that your faith is being tested. Your faith is being tested by God. That means you don't have to pretend that everything is peachy. It's not. It's, it's really stressful to be a college student at WNL right now. So the question is not, why is this happening to me? You'll never know why. The question is, what is God doing in and through me while this hard stuff is happening? And you can't get to that question unless you speak the truth, unless you call it what it is. That you're going through trials, that God is testing your faith. But when you do that, you have hope that big things are going to happen, okay? So the first thing is we speak the truth. And the second thing is that we ask for what we need. At the end of that section uh, about trials, uh, he says that if, if, if God will give you this steadfastness, steadfastness and you'll lack nothing. And then he says, but if anyone lacks wisdom, 
We have to ask for what we need, and what we need is wisdom. And I don't know how you would articulate what wisdom is. The best way I've heard it is this, that wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. It's, it's knowing what to do and then having the strength and the courage to do it even in the midst of trials. And wisdom, according to the Bible, is not a thing that you can grow in yourself. It's a thing that God gives to us because he cares about us. Do, do, you feel the, do you feel the tension on campus right now because like everyone has to act perfect or it's all ruined? Do you feel that? Like, how do we do it? What do we need? We need to pray and ask Jesus to give us the gift of wisdom. And, and we're, we're really challenging this because in verse six, verse 6, he says, you have to ask in faith. You have to believe that God will do it or else it's not going to happen. And so just like speaking the truth, our response to trials, it's actually always dependent on our posture towards the one immovable and stable and strong and good thing, which is God himself, who cares about you so much that he sees what you need. And he says, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. So we, we speak the truth and we ask for what we need. And then lastly tonight, we, we reorient ourselves to Jesus. Look, look at verses 9 and 10 or, or try, to, try to remember this part. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation which is kind of a weird phrase. It, it means that if you're lowly, if you are poor and weak and hurting, the thing to celebrate is that you are known and loved and saved by God through Christ. And that's a glorious thing to boast in. And if you're rich and strong and powerful, celebrate that you are actually needy and dependent on God for everything. And you can rejoice too that he is your everything and that he carries you. That means no matter if things are good or if they're bad, we have to reorient our lives towards the one who, who can do anything for us, the only one who can do anything for us, the Lord Jesus. And it's an active process of faith where, where through our prayers and through our words to others, we start to confess our dependence on Jesus, who's with us and who will not let us go. I'm going to end tonight where, where James kind of starts, because at the beginning, what he says is, count it all joy, my brothers. And it's a really interesting thing. If you think about the intro, uh, James says that he's writing to the 12 tribes of Israel in the dispersion. And that word dispersion is kind of a weird phrase, and no one knows exactly what it means. Does it mean that the, the people of Israel, the kind of 12 ethnic tribes of the original nation of Israel are you know, ethnically and geographically now dispersed? Or does it mean more of like a spiritual dispersion, like everyone is scattered in their own hearts? Um, that's kind of what I feel like life is like right now, right? We're like in the dispersion. We're all literally geographically dispersed around campus and around town. But he says to a people like that, like you and me, he says, count it all joy. My brothers or my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He says we should rejoice and, and it's a command. It's an imperative. Rejoice. Now, he's not saying rejoice in the trials, not in the pain or the hardship or the brokenness, but rejoice because of what God promises he will do in it and through it for us. Trials, the, the times that test our faith, are actually a hopeful thing for Christians. And I want you to know that this semester that feels so weird should be a hopeful time for you if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus and you want to have some hope, I'd encourage you to consider the claims of the Bible that says that it's during these kinds of times that God is at work and that he's growing us, 
that he's changing us. James says he's making us steadfast. That word steadfast, steadfast love is how God is described all, all throughout the Bible. He, he makes us more and more like him through these trials. Paul says it in, in a similar way. He says, suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. So what should you do this semester in the midst of trials? The thing you should do is you should have joy. Have joy. Now, now joy is not zen. It's not like some carefree bliss where you don't have any problems to think about. It, it's an anticipation and experience of the nearness of God that is life-changing. It's an anticipation and experience of the nearness of God that is life-changing in the midst of trials. Does anyone uh, like roller coasters? Ever ride roller coasters now or as a young person? I have not been on a roller coaster in a while, but I used to love riding roller coasters. Uh, and if you can imagine you're, you're waiting in line and then you finally get to where it's your turn and you sit down and you, you, know, you pull the safety bar over your shoulders and you click the buckle and you hear those words, enjoy the ride, and then you slowly inch forward and then you start to climb the, the initial hill. And there's that noise as you're going up the hill. That, that moment of, of excitement and joy, anticipation, adrenaline, when the rush of the drop hasn't come yet, but you know it's about to, like the fun part of a roller coaster is when you're going down, but you're still feeling that excitement on the way up. That's the Christian life. It's on the way up the roller coaster. Is, it, is we know that God is working in us even though we can't see what he's doing yet. And even more, we know that after these brief earthly days, we're going to experience the eternal joy of the presence of Jesus with all the saints in glory. And for now, we count even our sufferings as joy because it's through them that we'll experience the nearness and the work of Jesus, our Savior, that's going to change our lives. My, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is from Psalm 34. It says, God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. So I, I want to tell you that if you are feeling brokenhearted or you are feeling crushed in spirit, God is near to you. And he wants to do big things in your life. He wants to do big things in this community this year, full of disappointment, full of unknown, full of anxiety and fear, filled with all these reminders that we're not in control. He wants to do big things in our lives. And we never forget that Jesus actually endured the ultimate trial, the ultimate hardship, the ultimate suffering. Hebrews 12 says that he endured this suffering, the cross for the joy, same word set before him, the joy of abiding in the will of the Father, the joy of accomplishing salvation for you and for me, his beloved sheep and children through his death and resurrection. We're going to break up into smaller groups now and discuss these things in a, in a more intimate setting. So there are, there are Zoom links for every group. Uh, freshman guys, freshman girls on up, except for the sophomore and junior guys who are together. And they were emailed to you. If you did not get the email, Laws is going to uh, put all those links in the chat right now. So in a moment, uh, you're going to hang up this call, and then you're going to immediately join those other Zoom small groups. Now, some of you are, know a bunch of people who are going to be in that group already, and some of you are thinking, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm probably going to just peace out. And that's fine. You don't, ha you don't have to, but I really encourage you. We're just going to spend the next 30 or 40 minutes or however long you want trying to have a conversation about this together, trying to fight for community in the midst of this weird time of, of trials. Uh, but before we go, I'm going to speak a benediction over you, which is just a word of God's goodness to you. And, and if you're new to RUF and if you're, if you're a first year, I'll, I'll tell you how this is going to work because it'll be the same each week. What I'm going to say is, I'm going to say, stretch forth your hands 
and receive the benediction. And if you're comfortable with it, you can reach out your hands just like, just like this. Sorry, I'm making my hands around the screen. Uh, we're not pretending to have an emotional experience when we reach out our hands. What we're doing is we're acting out with our body what is true by God's spirit, which is that even though we are in trials, we have reason to rejoice because God is good and he is for us. So before we go, stretch forth your hands and receive the benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's been a joy. Uh, Please make sure to get the link for your small group discussion from the chat or the email. And we hope to see you for game night Thursday and disc golf on Friday. Thank you, everyone, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Too. Hey, Lewis, I'll see you, in, you. Your guys see you in a few moments. Okay, I'm going to go so I can start it. See you guys. See you. Abby, did you get that email?